Hey guys, and welcome to the Nashville for Nobodies podcast. I am your host, Bobby Gordon, along with my co-host, Kyle Thurkey, and we're going to be talking about the Nashville music scene and the ins and outs of Lower Broadway and a bunch of other random stuff that comes to mind. So if you're thinking about Nashville or new to Nashville and want to wrap your head around what's going on, this might be a great place to start. Take a listen. Welcome back, everybody. It's Kyle Thurkey with Nashville for Nobodies. And Bobby Gordon. And before we get to our guest, Kyle, how have you been? I've been good, man. <laughs> have um, you really, though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, truthfully, I've been stressed the hell out. But, you know, I'm here. I'm alive. I've got gigs. I've got work. So it's not that bad. <laughs> um, but, yeah. yeah uh, have you learned to build a transmission yet? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kind of. Um, have I taken one apart myself and built it? No. Have I watched a lot of videos on transmission <laughs> building? Yeah. How I to have. make this not cost three grand. Um, but it looks like um, my knowledge of transmissions just isn't there, so I'm going to have to take my truck to a shop. So. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that you have a career as a bassist. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm not sure how to take that one but okay <laughs> it means you don't have to depend on building a transmission for okay your paycheck the, the, fair okay <laughs> i was going somewhere completely different in the most negative direction with that so anyways how you been bobby i'm doing pretty good trying to get everything situated with the family for holidays and plans and still figure out when i'm supposed to make money speaking of holidays i was looking at the calendar this morning and i saw that uh thanksgiving is literally like two weeks away and i was like oh shit we're we're yeah. coming up yeah quick yeah we're yeah we're almost uh to you the remember league. when we were kids that like distance between halloween and thanksgiving and christmas felt like a like a lifetime yeah. and then now it's like you go to sleep and wake up and it's the next freaking holiday yeah absolutely I'm not prepared i don't know how our parents did it the same way we're doing it, they they they, they were winging cry it just like after <laughs> the kids fall asleep. <laughs> Man, isn't it crazy how when you were younger, you thought your parents, who were in their thirties, some of them in their twenties, just had all had their shit together. Yeah, and they were doing it, and now you're here and you're like, oh, you're faking it just like I am. I and got, now we I, have <laughs> to go to therapy to deal with the trauma. <laughs> Anywho, we have a guest. We do. We have a guest again this week. We're on track. Look at us being professional. There's air quotes for that <laughs> camera that we still don't have. That's why I say it like I do. That's why I go professional. Because <laughs> I'm hoping that people at this point know that I'm using air quotes. I just I wanted to point out that we still don't have the camera. I, bro, I can't go to a store and buy it now. <laughs> Mom, Mom's like, hey, I'll, I'll buy it for you. I'm like, I know, I just gotta, <laughs> shit keeps happening. <laughs> Anyways. That's life. Our but, guest. Yeah, we have uh, my friend Eric here. And I say my friend, uh, our families have known each other forever. And like, we met when we were kids. But I literally, other than a few messages, haven't talked to this gentleman in my life. <laughs> so this is super cool for me. I'm feeling very excited about it's, this. It's funny, we were outside and as he's walking up and Bobby's walking over to him and he's like, He's like, it's funny that the first time I'm on, I'm on your podcast is the first time I'm meeting you in person. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, our dads knew each other, played music together, and he's a musician and a barber and gets to do a lot of really cool things. So let's talk to him about that. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Oh, thanks for doing it. Super last minute because we're professional. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out great. So uh, 
why don't you get into a little bit of where you're from and how you got started with the music stuff first? Okay. Um, so born in Nashville, um, dad was a player out here and we left Nashville when I was, um, in elementary school and went down to Florida. I pretty much grew up down in Tampa, um, played music down in Tampa growing up with him in praise and worship bands, um, all my life and always wanted to come back to Nashville. Uh, came back to Nashville as a barber, <laughs> which is awesome. now your mom does hair, right? That's that's right. Yeah. So you've got the music from your dad, and then the yeah. hair from your mom, and so yeah, the hair was always a backup plan, big time. But it's just it started working really well in Tampa, and I took it with me back to Nashville. Well, I have had the worst luck with people cutting my hair, so I guess like I just kind of assumed that like you learn how to do it, and then you're good. But apparently that is not how it works at all. <laughs> um, so I'm assuming that you started doing hair, realized that you had a, a talent for it, and then that's when your hair career started to grow, no pun intended. Yeah, I guess. My, my goal was always to just be successful somehow, right? And when it started working in hair, I was not going to argue with it. Fair enough. Now, with your mom doing hair, like, how did, how did that, was she excited that you started doing hair? Was she pushing you to do it? Like, what was that dynamic like? She wanted me to do women's hair. And because she told me at the time she was right. But she said there's no money in men's hair. Everything was about women's hair and you could charge more and blah, blah, blah. So that's what I did first. I got into women's hair and I hated it. Um, and the guy that owned the salon that I was apprenticing at could see that I was really into doing guys hair. And so after watching me do men's hair on the side while I was training to do women's hair, he, uh, he bought me a chair and set me up to do men's hair in that salon. And then I built a clientele fast with that and um, just kind of never looked back. I mean, that makes sense because I know like when I have found somebody that does well and I like, like that's the only person I ever want to go to. Same. Um hard <laughs> and like with your hair you're having to get it redone all the time because you've got a badass green mohawk so like yeah it takes upkeep yes yes mine I, I have so much anxiety around getting a haircut now because they're just always awful so i'm always scared but yeah so that that's that's an interesting jump between music and hair um yeah those were the two things that were happening in my house my dad was playing music and my mom was cutting hair. We'd always have a room. It was the hair room. Any house we moved in, we lived in a lot of houses. And, <laughs> and one, there was always a hair room, you know. Nice. And she would be cutting hair on the side. And my dad would be playing music on the side. He always had, like, a job. He was, like, when we moved to Florida, he was kind of getting out of the music world. And so he was, like, an electrician and a plumber and an AC guy. And he would always play music on the side, like, at our church or with a band or, you know. That's awesome. So... I believe in a conversation that we had many moons ago, um, you had talked to me that you'd done some, some touring in the rock world, um, playing bass, uh, playing right? drums, playing drums. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's not much, right? So when I got into music through the praise and worship stuff, I just wanted to get away from that side of music because it was so boring, right? It was mm -hmm. like... It, really, it was just what my folks wanted, 
they wanted me to play Christian music. And I was like, I'll, I would I would like to play music, but I would just like to play something Music angstier. that you like right. listening yeah. to on a regular basis. Yeah, exactly. And so I'd been in a handful of different bands with varied levels of success. Nothing, nothing at the level that I could start making money at, right? Right. Um, and I think that's what lended hair... That's what I. That's made me want to do hair more because I had seen success so much quicker with hair, that that I was like, if if the road traveled in music is this much longer, I don't think I, I don't think I have it, right? Okay. Like, like with hair, like seeing seeing success so fast, it it almost makes you like, well, this must be what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Because. The, so when something takes off and something's not taking off you you really um especially like with a wife and now a kid you're like this is my thing like this must be what i'm supposed to be doing you know now if nothing was taken off i would probably just be jamming you know <laughs> that's that's for fair. the rest of my life you know that's but very s- fair <laughs> but seeing like seeing something take like kind of take fire you're like oh man i gotta I got to lean into this before it goes away. So you're just so afraid of it going away. The artistic side of you, is it fulfilled with the hair? Do you feel like that that kind of tickles that fancy? For a long time, I would say no. For a long time, I was still trying to play music because I, I wasn't like, there was like an itch that I wasn't scratching, mm-hmm. right? And um, and I don't know if it's because I'm old now and I just can't find music that I like listening to that much anymore. Man, ain't that a thing? <laughs> but I just, that itch is not really as strong as it was before. Every now and then, um, I'll get like this, I'll get something in my head and I got to sit down. Like I got a studio and I'll play and stuff. And every now and then, once every couple months, I got to get in there and get something out of my head. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I get it out, I'm like, I, I don't want to be in this room. Like I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm afraid that I'll kind of fall back in love with it and be broke again. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very fair statement. (laughs) But that being said, your hair career looks an awful lot like a music career. Yeah. Kind of tell us what you've been up to. Uh, So I I tour um, with a stand-up comedian, Nate Bargatze, um, and I got that gig through working at a barbershop. He was a client of mine for five or six years and during that time as my book started to grow and his career started to grow uh, we had a difficult time booking his appointments and so I would I would make these little jokes like you know there's a way for you to not have to book appointments anymore you know <laughs> just um, 99% kidding because I didn't even think that was even something that could work I had a kid one kid at the time but a kid and a wife and in my mind touring is you just live on the road right right so I would say it but I wasn't serious you know and uh, it got to the point to where one day he was interested in having that talk and I was like dude if we can make it work like I'd be down to talk about it and after talking about it we're like holy cow this could be a thing like we could I could go on the road for three or four days a week and be home for three or four days a week that's more than i'm home now you Mm -hmm. know when you're at the shop it's like dude it's sun up to sundown and so my kids like i see my kids right before they go to bed right or like right when they wake up and then weekends well now shoot there's weeks that i'm home for seven days in a row 11 days in a row and i've said dozens of times that's why i love my career because i can work 
two or three days in a week and then most of my days are free and I get to spend so much time with my kids when I have them and it's it's amazing to be able to be there and be present as opposed to just like you said being able to say good morning I gotta go bye and good night sleep well I'll see you in the morning yeah it's it, it's a different thing to like you said present like that's a whole different thing mm-hmm. I would rather uh, you know I'd rather five or six hours of like actual time you know than just every day at the same time making yeah. breakfast you know and I think your kids know that too I think your kids don't see the splits as much as they see like how much are you looking at them in the eyeballs when you're talking to them you know what I mean that's a fact that and that's that's something that that I've had to learn pretty hard because i the way my relationship was with my parents is like i existed in the same room they existed in and that was really it like there wasn't a whole lot of playing together or interaction i was usually on a video game or some junk like that and then my daughter will very much be like hey like you're not paying attention to me you should play with me and i'm like oh like I'm trying to get this done and clean this and edit this podcast and learn these six songs. And I'm like, you're right. Like I'm here, but I'm not here with you. Right. And so I've had to make some adjustments there just in how I view spending time with my kids. So that's super cool. How did the, uh, how did the wife take the idea when you first brought it up? She's the best. She's the best thing that's ever happened in my life. I mean, she's so good about stuff like that. She wants me to be, she wants me to do whatever I want to do. I came home one day. This is back when I was drinking, but I came home one day and I told her I wanted to get knuckle tattoos. <laughs> I have, I had a sleeve, but nothing else on my body. I told her I wanted knuckle tattoos and she's like, let's go do it. I mean, that's like either. That's all- what I'm talking about. Right there. <laughs> I need to find me a girl like that one. I- yeah, how can we find Kyle one of those? <laughs> I just, I just did one finger and everybody's like, you're going to regret that. And I'm like, fuck you guys. No, I'm not. That's I the perfect don't. finger, though. Exactly. That's why it's there. <laughs> yeah. It's a great talking point. Like, hey, look at my tattoo. <laughs> uh, I, I love it when I do the toast and I'm like, everybody raise your favorite finger. This one's mine. <laughs> Our thing has always been just balance, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I try to make sure like there's always weight in a relationship and you just want to make sure that you're not the heavy one. You know what I mean? You're always yeah. like looking like, what I- am I doing enough to make to make it feel like there's balance? And and as long as I think I'm aware of that and she's aware of that, like it's it's the best thing ever. She ho- she stays at home. She homeschools both of our kids. That's what she wants. Like that's her ideal situation. Yeah. yeah. And this not only did she kind of allow me to do this and like lean into what I want to do, like it it was a way that I kind of essentially allowed her to do what she wants to do too. So there's that balance of like, we get to keep our kids at home and, and it works for me too. Cause when I'm out on the weekends, it's not like they're off school, you know? Right. It's like they I, have X amount of hours they have to accomplish within a time frame. That's right. So when you're home and can hang out, they can hang out. And half of the stuff I do when I am home turns into a lesson. Like I'll take Henry Hunton and, and we'll like, we'll talk about how to take apart an animal. And that's like an anatomy lesson. And there's like so much that he's learning that you would have to, you know, I don't know what you'd have to do to get that experience in public school. You don't. You you, you look at a even, picture in a book and somebody says some words that you forget 20 minutes at later. At some point right. in high school, they give you a frog to dissect and that doesn't, 
I didn't even okay. get that. I got an owl pellet. That's what I got to dissect. An owl pellet? Yeah, you know, when they regurgitate the stuff that they can't digest. So I tore through, like, fur and picked out rat bones, essentially. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, dude. <laughs> I'm laughing at you. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at that situation. Cause I'm like, what do you... I didn't learn shit. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, what do you learn from that? Like, again, Eric's saying, like, what he's teaching his kid out there hunting, he's teaching him way more than you right? ever learn in, in any kind of public school setting. So, Not only that, he's teaching him how to hunt. Never went hunting. I don't know how to hunt. Public schools were set up just to teach kids how to eventually work a nine to five. I mean, that's accurate. That's that's how it is. One hundred percent true story. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. And then lately, it's all politicized. And hey, there's nothing wrong with working nine to five. You know, it's whatever you love to do. In fact, that works for most people. It does. Most people like it. Does not work for creative minds. Not at all. It it doesn't work for me. I can't work for people that I'm smarter than. That's my problem. <laughs> I get in trouble. Like, because I'll say the thing that you're not allowed to say. Or get offended and walk out. That, well, I, I'm a, that's I just, a bad one. All these jobs that are out there, it was like, oh, you'll never get another job like this. Yeah, well, let me go down the street. Right? Like, every job, everybody is replaceable and can leave and go to something else. So, when I hear empty threats like that, I'm like, yeah, this job means nothing, thanks. <laughs> like, I'm going to be sitting here doing the same thing every day. Awesome. Great. <laughs> right. Well, and it's depressing when you think about it, but, it, I mean, you can't take it too seriously. Like, we are, everybody in this room, and this is so depressing to say, but I keep getting on this tangent where it's like, we're all going to be dead. You yeah. Know? Eventually, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, dude. All of us. Like, everybody you know. Right. Yep. So no one so lives forever. Just do the thing. Like whatever it is, just do that. Yep. I, I always mean, say do what makes as long as you're not hurting anybody else or like negative affecting anybody else, do what makes you happy and enjoy your life. And if you can make money doing it, hell yeah. Like go for it. Well, and that's the that's the thing. And I've told like I've had friends that want to be photographers or, you know, junk like that that's in the artistic realm. And it's like if you if you legitimately care about it and want to do it, then you're probably already better than a lot of people making a lot of money doing it. So there's no reason not to go for it. You'll have to pick up some stuff along the way and do some learning and handle the business side, which you may not enjoy quite as much, but you can do it. Well, everything we do in life, we have to learn how to do that thing. People just don't realize mm-hmm. that we have been... Our whole lives brought, like I said, brought up to work like a nine to five job, how to right. be, how to work in those kinds of settings and situations. So when it comes to like being your own boss and learning a new skill, people get very scared because they have to learn like, oh, I don't know how to do that. You, oh, you've been doing this your whole life. Well, yeah, I started a little earlier than you, but I also had to do the same amount of work that you did to get to your job. Like I, it didn't just come to me. Over, I wasn't slapping bass lines the first day I picked up a bass, you know? It was the third day. (laughs) (laughs) It was more like the 30th year. No, right? (laughs) You know, you you still got to work towards it, but if it's something that you want to do and you're passionate about it and you have a drive for it, 
do it. Like you're, you'll, you'll it's, be successful. It's so much it. easier to do that grinding work when you enjoy it and oh, want yeah. to be good at it. If you don't care, then it's almost impossible. Yeah. So going back to <laughs> what we were talking about. Um, so you cleared it with the wife and family. Everything was good. Everything was going to work out. You get on the road. What does, what does that look like for you? Like it's very confusing. It's very, <laughs> I'm fair. still not, I'm still not fully adjusted to it. It's been almost two years and there's times where I don't know what city I'm in. I wake up and I'm like, I've planned for this. I've planned, I've sat down for three days and figured this whole thing out logistically. I have no idea where no I No idea what's going on. Um, but fortunately for my jobs on the road, I don't really, I don't need to know too much about where we're at. Like my job is kind of, and my job is always sort of evolving, but right now my job is everything to do with Nate's health slash fitness and his hair. They're kind of entwined. It's like anything to do with not looking bad. Right. That's fair. Um, I need one of those. Are you expensive? I'm broke. (laughs) (laughs) I need to, I need to start. That's a business right there is create more me's and send them out, you know? but I don't know how to do that. I don't even know how to do what I'm already doing. <laughs> See, that's what we're talking about. If you want to do it, just go do it, and you'll figure out the details in time. <laughs> it's true. But my day kind of looks like get up uh, an hour or two before him and kind of get the fitness stuff set up, depending on if we're in like a hotel or if we're on the bus or whatever, just kind of get the day started. Um, I'll usually work out first. That way it's kind of done. And then, um, and then cook. You know, I'll have the barber stuff set up in whatever venue we're at, whether it's, you know, whatever. I'll set up inside or outside or on the bus or whatever. And um, and then it's hurry up and wait. Oh, yeah. So are you cutting hair every day that you're on tour? Typically, there's, there may be one or two days where I don't. But between, between him and the other artists and the crew, um, typically I got someone in my chair every day. So about how many people are... How, how many hair? Uh, how do I ask this question? How many people's? <laughs> how many how, people are you doing work for? <laughs> <laughs> how many people do you cut when you were out on the there road? You go. Man, I could not get that out for the life of me. <laughs> it's a big adjustment. Like when I'm when when I was cutting at home, it was sixteen to twenty people a day. Now I'm doing um, a total on the road, a total of maybe ten guys, and that's and that's so he, he rotates openers. So between all the openers and the crew, I'm probably doing a total of 10 guys. Instead of 20-something a day. Per day. So I bet that's very similar to the road gig as a musician versus the Broadway gig, where on Broadway it's thousands of songs and you have no idea what you're doing, and then on the road it's a set list and you know exactly what's expected, and And you can just do your job. And there's a lot of hurry up and wait there too. Oh, yeah. No, that's just... that's everything the road's the road man i think i think you're right i think it's exactly the same and depending on you know who you're playing for it's like that's how good of a time you're gonna have oh yeah definitely 100 percent. we should go on the road kyle i don't know what we'd do we don't have a band to go on the road with but (laughs) i mean take the podcast on the road we we could put a band together and take the podcast on the road. Why not? That'd be fun. Um, I don't know. If we'd make any money. We'd probably go broke pretty quick. I'm already but. broke. So success. <laughs> After next week, I'm gonna be real broke. <laughs> so since you're only doing a handful of different people's hair, do you get like 
are they like super specific or do you kind of get free reign of like hey i know what's gonna make you look good so this is what we're gonna try i just give everybody nate's cut that's fair enough <laughs> rinse uh, and repeat no pun intended that's all i do now i just do the one cut and everybody gets it no um that's one of the things i miss i, I miss the what is that what's the word i'm looking for i miss the uh, spontaneity okay of someone walks in and they're like hey man i want it short but not too short and i want to keep it long but don't take anything off and you just got to figure out what that means <laughs> see this is I get so anxious when I'm trying to tell somebody how I want my hair. And I'm like, this is what I want. And then they repeat something back to me that's completely different. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably fine. We'll that's the difference. That. <laughs> so you say, what's the difference between like good haircutters and bad haircutters? That's the difference. It's communication, right? So it's being able to get inside your brain and tell by the clothes that you're wearing, the way that you're speaking, your tattoos, like all those things are context clues on what haircut you want. Like... And, and you're not supposed to profile people in life. I get that. But if one dude comes in with <sighs> dressed um, one way and asks for a flat top, and another dude comes in dressed another way and asks for a flat top, depending on which one of those are wearing cowboy boots, those are two very different <laughs> haircuts. They're not even close. You wouldn't use the same tools. Dude, that, that's, that's fascinating. Like, I'm, I'm so... <laughs> this is... Like the parallels between this and music are great, and I did not know that it existed like this. So this I'm is, laughing just because one, I can see that image in my head, and right? two, I completely understand where you're coming from. Because we I'm, do the same thing with artists when we get on stage with an artist, we don't know if they're you know presented a certain way. It's like okay, well, this is what they're gonna want me to do. Yep. Regardless what they tell me to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, and everything in society tells you don't do that. Don't pay attention to that stuff and it's like well this is gonna save my career right i mean sometimes though like i know we're not supposed to judge a book by its cover but also sometimes it 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 merits it like you you have to and, mm-hmm. and in your situation like you, you can look at somebody and they'll tell you a haircut and like you can okay this is how it needs to look on you i get that and yeah mm-hmm, makes sense and then the inverse we have kyle with a badass green mohawk playing country music all the time oh <laughs> uh, yeah mm-hmm. the comments and looks that i get they're wonderful love it people come in they're like we came in because we thought you were playing rock music just based on your look and your hair but you're in here playing country and you guys are actually really good and I'm like you're welcome <laughs> i don't know what else to say <laughs> just just put your money in the bucket <laughs> Thank, thanks for coming in um, that that's something that uh, that we can get into talking. You talked about the spontaneity, but like, there's problem solving in that situation of like, you're given clues and you got to figure out the solution, and then on the road, I guess the problem solving comes in like your timing and the day's plans and making sure everything's situated, and then the hair is just the hair. Well, it's exactly the same. So, and it. It all boils down to like your level of skill. But when you first start cutting hair, you are going to mess people up. And it's like, how can you fix it without them noticing that you messed it up in the first place? Just like me playing music. It's exactly the I'm same. I'm going to fuck up and then I got to fix it and make you think I did it on purpose. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, the greatest example is like when you're 
if you're fading someone's hair, right? And they don't tell you how short they really want it, but they want to fade. So you don't know how that hair is going to fade. If it's like a, like straight hair blends well, curly hair blends well, a combination between the two is really tough, right? So what I would do is like take that to a level that's short, but not as short as I could go and fade it and see how it looks. And if it's good, then we're good. Just give it a little taper and we're done. But if I start fading it and it's just not working, then I always have the option to get a little bit tighter, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that you only get after you've done a million of those types of hair like as uh, when you've hit that haircut or that hairstyle or that type of hair a million times you know to do those things the same thing as music right if you're up on stage and you really don't know what you're doing you can kind of fiddle around and figure out where everything is for a minute but you only know how to do that if you know how to do that right right like modern country tunes they follow a very typical standard and so once we get into it i have a good idea of where we're going and can at least make it work or if you just have a general idea of the song, you can mm-hmm. kind of follow. You kind of hear what's coming up next. Right. So. My dad used to tell this story about, and I don't remember the guy's name. This is the podcast that I should know this guy's name. But he's like <laughs> a famous steel player, right? And apparently he invented that slide thing because he just kind of woke up in the middle of a song and didn't know where he was. And so he just started sliding until it sounded good. And he's like, oh, here we are. And it's like, well, that's the most iconic thing you can do on a steel guitar now. Right. And it was an accident. It's that that's, stuff. That's probably happened more times with more iconic things than people are ready to admit. I, I mean, I think so. How many times do we create something through a mistake? Every time, damn near it. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of the greatest things that have come out whether it's an invention or a song, weren't necessarily planned. <laughs> a lot of right. them were just kind of mistakes or, or or learning along the way. Or having to adjust from something that's already not right. So I have, speaking of issues and, and fixing things, I have a, this just kind of popped into my head because I have had to go in and had my hair fixed quite a few times. How many, how often when you were, before you went on tour and you were working at a shop, how often would you have to fix a bad haircut? Oh man, not that often, thankfully. Um, I In Nashville, I worked at a high-end, a high-end barbershop the whole time. So typically, if you're getting your hair fixed, like you're probably not going to go pay the most to get it fixed, right? Because it's like, because you already paid one time. You're just probably going to go back to that same place where somebody messed up your hair. And if you're coming to the shop I worked at, your hair's probably not getting messed up. So thankfully, when I was here, I didn't have to do it a lot. But before Nashville, <laughs> one or two a day. And, and that's the best practice you can have because half the time you're doing the mess up and then fixing it, right? When you're mm-hmm. new, you're, you're getting in there and you're seeing like, oh, crap, and then fixing it. Mm-hmm. Well, then there's another perfect opportunity. Some kid sits down. I had a, an amazing one. I had a kid sit down on my chair. It was like... The, sh- the shop had closed like an hour it had been closed but i'm cleaning up i'm apprenticing at the time and he knocks on the window it's locked and so i open it up and i was like what's up man and he's like dude i really need my hair fixed my boss is like we're closed and he goes please i was like i'll do it dude no nope, i'll just do it so he comes in his his story was his girlfriend had put a two guard on the clipper now he had like longer hair like the justin bieber kind of flow back in like the 2010s yeah and he said his girlfriend put a two guard on it and was doing his neckline and just i mean went all the way up his head with it but it was like bald all the way up the back of his head mm. and i remember i remember looking at me like dude i don't know how to tell you this but you did something wrong she is 
mad at you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Context clues. (laughs) That's, it was the craziest mess up I've ever seen. It was completely intentional. Uh, So I had to go, I had to take this kid from like Justin Bieber flow to skin fade, right? And that's like the craziest change you can do in hair. But, but it worked out great and he, you know, ended up, I probably still wears that haircut to this day. It looked great on him, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, that was just a really fun they one. They definitely and, broke up though, is what you're saying. <laughs> and, and you just don't get those anymore. Like, unless you're new, like when you're new, you're working in a shop where you don't charge like a crazy amount of money. So you get people that are like just normal people. It's not like celebrities walking in all the time. So speaking of celebrities, this is a good segue. Have you ever cut someone's hair where like, you're a huge fan and you're kind of trying to fangirl on the inside and be professional on the outside and like melting down all at the same time yeah that one time that's my current current boss <laughs> nice. uh, this is a fun story i didn't think i'd get to tell this but i'm glad i do um so when i was living in tampa um i was a, we were actually in west palm at the time um, my wife and i were saving up money to um to move to nashville and while we were saving up money, I was working a second job picking up trash at a um, like privatized trash company. And during that, I was listening to music that is just like whatever. I'm old now, so I'm listening to like whatever I've always <laughs> listened to. And he gets sick of it, so I switched over to comedy. And I didn't know much about comedy besides like Mitch Hedberg at the time. So I put on like Mitch, Mitch Hedberg, Hedberg radio. Hold on. Is that like what happened? Because I've been doing that lately. I've been switching to comedy. Like, is that what happens when you get older? You're like, fuck the music. I'm just start listening to comedy. Because that's what I've been doing lately. <laughs> that's what Maybe, happened to me. Because, like, yeah. All right, it makes me feel better about life. <laughs> that's All right, what it does. Sorry. Anyway. No, no, no. Yeah. So um, I found, I, so I would just like heart all the jokes that I liked that came up on that radio station. And it turned out a few months later, all the jokes that I had hearted were this one dude. It was the Nate Bargatze. And he wasn't like huge yet, but he was on that radio station. Anyways, cut to, we moved to Nashville. We finally save up money. Um, we get here. Well, I save up money. I mean, we both had $1,000. Like yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's saving money. <laughs> but we got here. It was enough to like get a apartment. And I started working at that shop by the grace of God. They weren't even hiring. I somehow got that interview. I, I to this day, I have no idea how that happened, but got the job at that shop. And within a year I got his, I saw his name in the book pre-booked on a Thursday. And I was like, that's crazy, dude. There's two people with that same name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even think that it could be him. And then, especially because like the last time it was in for a beard trim. And the last time I saw him, he had it like, he was clean shaven. When mm-hmm. I Googled him, he was like clean shaven. So then the day before, I was like, let me just double check and make sure it's not him. And I Googled him and he had a beard. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, and, and I kind of freaked out. I lied um, about knowing who he was. I was just like, what's up, man? What do you do for work? <laughs> you <know? laughs> so you went, you went full in on the con. I like it. <laughs> yeah, because I can't be that. You know what I mean? Like, I, thankfully, I don't. I don't fangirl out over like any of the country musicians because I don't really listen to that much country. Right. Or at least the country that's happening currently, I don't know much about it. So I don't have the opportunity even to be like, holy crap, you're whoever you are. Until um, after the fact, you're like, oh, damn, that's yeah. cool. Well, we, we always kind of, it ends up always coming up at some point. Oh, you yeah, know, I'm and sure. And you're like, oh, awesome. But uh, but with Nate, that was tough. And it took me like two or three cuts before I was eventually like, all right, dude, I'm not going to lie. I could do all your jokes right now. <laughs> Not good, and but I know what apparently they Apparently that worked out for you <laughs> because here yeah. you are. Yeah, he's been so awesome. He's the best thing ever. He um, he 
he asked me one time if I knew anyone in Georgia. He was filming his first Netflix special, and he was like, "Do I, do, I, do you know anyone in Georgia who could do my hair while I'm down there for this thing?" And I was like, "Are you crazy, dude? Like, I'll come down to Georgia." And he's like, "Well, you don't want to work, do you?" I was like, "What are you talking about? That's all I want to do." Like, yes, let's do it. Like, so I, he came down there, let me cut his hair for the Netflix special. And that was kind of like, I think that was when we both were like, this could be a thing. Like, we could do that. That's pretty awesome. Um, I forgot what we were talking about. This, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> All of this. No, it was the, it was the fangirling because of Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was the only one. Um, nice. Yeah, I think that's kind of the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, do you have ADHD also? <laughs> uh, probably. I would say so. I never. I don't see doctors, so yes, I'll never know. They're expensive. <laughs> they're, they're very expensive. Oh man, that's cr- that. That's such a cool story. Because like playing on Broadway, like we'll have the occasional artist come in, and it's like, oh, I get to play with this guy. That's kind of cool, and it, it's almost more trouble than it's worth, honestly. But it always ends up in a cool story. Like, my story is I have a Sam Hunt story. I was playing at Layla's, and Sam Hunt came in. And so I got to play Body Like a Backroad with Sam Hunt. And that's uh. super cool. Except it was like I was having a really off night and just playing like absolute garbage. Like, mm. I hated myself. And then they're like, hey, Sam Hunt's here. He's going to get up. I'm like, crap. I'm going to screw up this. This is embarrassing. I don't want to be here anymore. And then he gets up and he's like, hey, do you guys know Body Like a Backroad? I'm like, yeah. No. No. No, this is your song and I do it like Broadway. I don't know Body Like a Backroad. Oh, no. But he was super nice. We played it and then we did, I think, uh, Merle Haggard tune or something like that. And it was super cool. And I only hated myself mostly, not completely. So I have yet to have an artist come on stage when I'm downtown. Or, oh really? Yeah. I've I've run into I've had artist interactions outside of gigs and in the most random situations, but I've yet to have one come on stage That's while we're fair. playing. It always happens while I'm playing somewhere else next door <laughs> or across the street. I think my favorite but, though, um I was playing AJ's and Rodney Carrington came in. And I was getting all my gear. We were fixing to set up and he comes and he's already completely wasted. And he put his arm around my shoulder. He goes, Hey, I'm Rodney. Go, Hey, we know. (laughs) (laughs) And he hung out the rest of the night. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. He also thought I was in the band that had just finished. So that was a little awkward, but I went with it. It's whatever. So speaking of country music, um, Bobby told me that you were cutting hair at the CMAs. Yeah. Yeah, that was very cool. I was actually technically cutting hair at the Thompson and just walking around the CMAs with Nate. But, oh, okay. But it was Same very cool. thing, only different. I got I got to meet Peyton Manning. That was the highlight of my whole entire life. Um, <laughs> That's pretty cool. It was awesome. I'm a big Tennessee fan, so go Vols. Um, and I got to meet Peyton, which was so cool. He was so nice. He sat and talked to us for had to have been 10 minutes, which... He did not have to do him and Nate are real close buddies though, and but I mean like he talked to me like he was just a regular dude. It was awesome, and Jelly Roll talked to us a little bit too. He was awesome. I, I had met him before a couple times through the barbershop, but I feel like I would like to meet him. I feel like I, he's, I would love to meet Jelly Roll. He's uh, he's like I don't know how else to say it, but he's just like a very sweet guy. Like he seems he, like he would he, be. He's what you want him to be. Yeah, that's good because most of them 
at least from what I've heard, aren't. I was talking to Ty Swallow because he wants to come in and uh, yeah, be on the podcast. Speaking of, today's his birthday, so happy oh, birthday, Ty. Happy birthday, Ty. But uh, he just got off the road with Struggle Jennings, and they were opening up for Jelly Roll, and that, he was saying the same thing. Like, they're just super nice sweet people when i was working at the barbershop that that genre of country and hip-hop intertwined together is like uh is a bigger following than i think anybody knows like oh it's it's unbelievable and they would come to the barbershop because that's where some of those guys would come to get their haircuts i mean it was unbelievable dude we we very rarely had time to work in walk-ins but if we ever were working in walk-ins it was all of those fans it was crazy. That's cool. And they would come from distances away that would surprise you. For the haircut. For the show to see those guys. Oh, okay. And then swing by the haircut to That's try to like that, that makes more see sense. them. Because like, that was their whole deal was like, where can we accidentally like bump into them at? Gotcha. Ah, I see okay, yep. I see it. I got you. So they, were, com- they were coming in town for the shows. And then they were trying to figure out like where these people would go. So they would... Go like for instance, go to your place, get haircuts, hoping to that's right. Bump into them there, bump into them. The um, the only time I've ever gone or done anything where like that thought crossed my mind, like mm, where would they hang out so I could bump into them, was I went to Memphis to see the Foo Fighters, hmm. and I was like, is there like a coffee shop? I bet Dave would go to a coffee shop close to the venue. I want to meet Dave Girl. <laughs> I didn't go, but the thought crossed my mind. <laughs> That's what everybody asked me since Nate did S- SNL and his band was Foo Fighters. Everyone's like, did you get to meet Dave Grohl? And I have to say no, because I didn't. But man, it, that was still like such a cool thing for, mm-hmm. Again, for him he's, to have. He's, he's one of the few that I would fangirl over. I, I think I would just be like, uh, oh, For sure. Hi. He was in the parking lot <laughs> of the barbershop once. I was uh, Tim Montana, uh, another really awesome guy that I used to cut at the shop forever i know ago. i know who tim is you know tim mm-hmm. man such a great dude and and he told me after i got done cleaning up his beard he goes he goes i gotta get out of here uh dave grohl's in the parking lot and i was like you're not gonna just like you'd be like hey man you want to go say what's up <laughs> <laughs> but oh, that's crazy that's awesome though <laughs> now I, I feel like dave would be a super cool dude from everything that i've seen and read he seems to be like one of the most like down-to-earth cool dudes yeah i'll be honest i feel like i should want to meet him more i feel like everybody like being in the music world for as long as i was dave is like the guy right Mm -hmm. and everybody like loses their mind over dave so i feel like i should almost be like weirder about it but i I, that's one of those things that i'm just like it's okay well you've you've apparently been really close a handful of times yeah i can feel it It's like it's like five more times, and then we can technically say we met. <laughs> My eye starts twitching every now and then. I'm like, "Does that Dave? Dave? Where's Dave, girl? I feel him." My eyes twitching. It's Dave. It's so funny. These are all people that I have no business meeting. It's so dumb. Like every now and then, I think about it, and I'm just like, "What am I doing, dude? I'm just like a dude. I'm a dude that like cuts hair and got lucky one time." Yeah. You know? Well, apparently, well, you seem it's like a really a cool haircut, dude. So, so I mean. <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, you go out. You, you've got your handful of people that you're cutting. What do you do when the show starts? Do you just get to chill and watch the show? Or are you cleaning up, loading up? Like what? What does your what does your evening the, look like after you're done with the hair? It depends on the gig. So it's like there are some times where we're doing two shows a night, and like 
there are some times when it's just one show sometimes it's arena sometimes it's theater and it kind of all depends on what that looks like like i try to be done but i try to be done and packing up by the time he's on stage that's kind of my goal is to have like the workout equipment the food prep um the barber stuff like all of that at least put together so i can start loading it back in the bus by the time the show starts okay um but but if it's like a two show night and there's just no way around it like it's just going to be kind of a longer night i'll i'll go out and watch the first show that's cool because it's fun to watch what he does he he builds these sets out of nothing and and he does it all on stage like and all the material is just real life stuff that's happening to us on the road at the time and some family stuff and watching it go from like being just a hang to the funniest thing you've ever heard in your life is very is very awesome to see that oh, that's really cool um so you mentioned food do you have a hand in the diet yeah, well? yeah that's my that's like a big part of what i do okay so um, you're, you're doing the workout stuff the diet stuff the yeah. hair stuff literally everything to make him look good yeah yeah <laughs> nice. everything i know how to do at least you know do you, do you pick out his pants uh I don't pick out the pants. He's got a personal stylist uh, oh, who is awesome. She's, her name's Amber. She's very, very good. Um, but I do sometimes give him direction. Like when he's got a bunch of the different things that she has picked out, like he, she has all these clothes that come from her. And then he'll be like, do you like this one better or this one better? And every now and then I'll be like this one. And he'll be like, cool, I'm going to do this one. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I don't know why you even asked me that. But okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So what's, what's the dynamic? How long have you been working for him? Uh, it'll be two years in uh, March or May, one of those two. So what, what's the dynamic like there? Because obviously being that close with him for this amount of time, you've developed a relationship. So where does the line between boss and friend kind of um, lie? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I would say it's like 10% him listening to what I say about the gym and about food and about motivation and things like that about like kind of the health stuff and 90 percent me just getting trashed because it's <laughs> because it's fun like and he's so good at it and these new york comics are so good at trashing people it's the funniest thing on the planet to, to just get trashed by these guys and and if you don't have thick enough skin for it it can be brutal like like i've seen it to where people that aren't aware of what's happening are just mad because it sounds like you're getting just made fun of it sounds like he hates you sometimes but it's so funny it's so funny that if you can if you can get in that headspace and realize what's happening it's it's almost like a term of endearment it's like it's like the it's like the difference between people in the south and people from like new york like if someone from new york isn't isn't all, like making fun of you you're like okay this guy probably doesn't even like me <laughs> you know it's that different style of humor and i think that line what you're talking about like where's the line of like friendship and work it's like there's not really a line it's just all in there it's just all jumbled in there and like the friendship is like we're friends obviously because i'm still here doing this job right mm-hmm. and the work is like we're just always working constantly we're always like busting our butt and trying to have as much fun as possible. And the, the, that line is swimming in there somewhere, if that makes sense. So that, that sounds like a really complicated way of saying you're a good hang. I think that's what it all boils down to. I hope that's what it all boils down to. 
because that's what that's what the road is right yeah. it's can you be fun that was yeah. that was the point i was going to like make sure we I, hit I, I knew you were trying to get there <laughs> with that is because most of our listeners are musicians and we say all the time like as long as you're good enough to do the job it's all about who you are as a person and how you get along like we we know that pretty much everybody in town can play the songs mm-hmm. we know that are you cool enough to hang out with 20 hours a day right yep like that's that's the the real question like can can i be around you for that long and not lose my shit <laughs> yeah so yeah knowing i think how to sit in silence is a big one for being on the road especially with comics because their brains are just 24 7 just going right because they're they're ultra hyper aware of everything that's happening that's what makes them so funny they can pick out situations that you never even knew was happening and 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 you think it's all just a fun, big fun hang, and most of it is a big fun hang. But there's that part of it where you just kind of got to sit back and, like, let them, like, because it goes from a zero to a hundred so fast. You could be having just the craziest time and everyone's just BSing and having a blast. And then there's, like, times where you're just sitting in a car for a 45-minute drive from the airport to the venue. And if you don't know why it's quiet, you're probably like, I wonder if this guy likes me you know yeah but but it's quiet because he's thinking and and the other comments are thinking and the tour managers thinking and everyone's got their own thing that they're working on and and talking would just be the most annoying thing you could possibly do in that situation so it's it's knowing how to feel out things like that and i think it's the same with music right i was oh, definitely just about to say that it's the exact same being on the road as a musician cuz especially going to shows there's a lot of times when I'm working with artists that they one they don't want to talk because their voice they're trying to save as much as their voice they can so hours before the show outside of warming up their voice a little bit they don't speak and then two it's just like you said that's um, it's a little bit different where com- like you said the comedians are very hyper aware of what's going on so they can like pick out the things for us we're so like hyper focused about okay we're about to be on stage we have to play these songs okay is there anything that i need to listen to real quick or think about like did i screw this up last night or do we need to change anything in this next song so it's the same thing that hour before the show that car ride going to the venue whatever it very much can be silent or Mm -hmm. you know after a gig the last thing a lot of us want to do like it's different when you're in a party band because everybody's trashed and you know that they're partying they're loud or if you're in a band that's sober, you don't party a whole lot, you don't drink a whole lot, after the shows, they're quieter because everybody's trying to decompress and think about what they just did. And Plus, you just had music pumping in your ears for the last 45 minutes to a couple hours. So Yeah, the quiet is welcomed. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you're, you're very much... That was something that I had to learn on the road um, with different bands is when was the appropriate time to have conversations and talk and when was the, the right time to just shut the hell up so i completely understand that yeah and if 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 someone is like getting ready to go on the road for the first time and they're like well how do i know how to feel that stuff out it's like just mirror your dude like whoever your Mm -hmm. dude is just do whatever they do and i'm sure it's like this for you guys on the road like you kind of when you go on the road now you, you i'm sure you've been for the most part the same crew 
other than maybe the openers. You said he swaps out the openers, but it's pretty much the same crew on the road for the most part. Yeah. So you probably have, like you said, your dude, your 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 like hangout buddy, your your person that you talk to, and it's it's the same thing being a musician on the road. You you, for me, a lot of times it's drummers because that's who I click with already. I have I have to lock in with you and work with you directly. So it's usually that's who I'm with. Lately, it's been guitar players, <laughs> but it's usually, it's usually drummers for me. And it, it's very much, I, I picked up on that. It was like, Oh, maybe I, they've been on this gig a lot longer than me. I'm going to do what they're doing when they're doing it. Cause they've been here a lot longer than me and I'm still new to this. So yeah, very much. If you, ha- if you have that buddy, that, that person in that, in that band or crew, like he's like Eric said, mirror them and what they're doing and it'll, it'll teach you pretty quickly on when you should and shouldn't speak. <laughs> One of my tricks is I'll throw out like a very simple benign question just to kind of like disturb the water. And if I just get an answer back, cool, we're not talking. But since the water's already been disturbed, if somebody wants to talk, they'll jump in and a conversation will start. So it'll be like, Hey, about how far are we out from wherever? And if they're just like, about another hour, done. They're like, oh, man, we're about an hour, but, like, I saw this cool place over here, so we might stop and eat or something. Like, then you're good to talk because they've opened that door. I would even expand on that and say, don't make somebody need you. Like, don't make someone have to need you for anything, right? Like, instead of saying, like, how far are we from the thing? Because they might not know. They might have to, like, use their phone and Google it. Now you just made that guy do a thing, right? Okay. Ask, ask them a question that's like, or not even a question, just say something. Something that they don't have to use their own brain to really think about. Okay. Because, because they're going to remember, hey, man, that guy, like, makes me think about stuff all the time. You know? <laughs> like, that's... And, and it's big. You know, you don't really that's think a- about it, but it's like they got a million things on their mind. And like typically speaking, if you're the new one on the road, like their responsibilities are like higher than yours are at oh, the time. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So like you just gave them another job and it's like, oh, God, you know, that's that's a fair statement. I never thought of it like that. I, I didn't. Damn either. it, Kyle, I'm annoying. All, <laughs> all these all these years on the road like that. That's great advice. Absolutely fucking great advice. Kyle, we're stupid. That's (laughs) that's what I'm learning. Well, now I'm like, I'm like literally thinking back. I'm like, okay, well, what did I do in these situations? (laughs) Right. Because sometimes I have been that person, but I also felt like I was a know-it-all when I would say shit. And like, I'm like, oh, they think I'm annoying. Like, I I know too much. I'll just shut the hell up now. (laughs) Well, I think that's the difference in music and comedy, though. Like, in music, it's fun to be like the funny one. Right. It's like people love that. Like, I, I think that... So I like to be funny. I'm, I'm like typically in my groups that I'm t- that I would be in outside of work. I like to be the funny one, right? Well, that does not work on on the bus with the comedian, right? Because right. you're not you are not funny compared to these guys. These guys are to a an, a level that will not be comprehensible until you've been on the road for ten years doing these, or not necessarily on the road, but until you've been doing stand up for 10 years 20 years and you're just like getting berated and beaten down by these funny people you just don't realize the difference like the level of funny like you're always going to be funny to your friends right because they know the context these guys can be funny to anybody's friends that that's valid it's crazy it's crazy that's the skill super that that freaking takes. intimidating too though oh dude and right. once you wrap your head around that you're like well i'm so embarrassed that i've ever talked around you guys that's make a comment or try to say something funny and he just goes oh, funny 
Oh no, the worst. <laughs> that would be the best if he said if he said it like that. That would be like a compliment. Like you get trashed. I bet, man. I. I don't really have any friends that are like actual comedians. I have friends that are fucking hilarious, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't have friends that are actual comedians, so I don't know. But that makes sense. Like, it does. yeah, I would. I would be terrified to make a joke to even try to attempt to make a joke around a comedian. Like he said, he's very hyper. They're very hyper aware of like their surroundings. So if I try to like build up on some joke because I would have to, it would like take a lot for me to come up with something absolutely hilarious. And then they would, they would probably just roast the shit out of me. <laughs> oh yeah. The joke that you thought of, they thought of, you know, multiple seconds before you thought yeah. about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they've thought of that joke in 37 times how to make fun of it. So <laughs> yeah. And they couldn't do anything with it and they threw it in the trash. Yeah. And then it and just then got made brought the up. Joke. Yeah. And then it just got brought up again by somebody who doesn't do that for a job. And so it's also like, it's kind of like, I feel like to them, it's almost like a slap in the face to be like, you don't think I thought of that joke too? You know? That's Man, that, that's trippy. Like, I've never thought of it. And I don't know if I could be friends with a comedian. <laughs> it's the best thing ever, though. I if would you love can wrap to. your head around that. It's the most fun. I would love to have friends that are comedians. I think that'd be fucking amazing. But I make dumb jokes all the time. We make dumb jokes all the time. And sometimes we're funny. We always think no, we're funny. No, mine are funny because of how funny they're not. Like, that's what's funny. <laughs> Is that I try so hard and fail See, so hard. <laughs> for us, it was always like our band, like like our our, our mm. morning band, the one that you still play with. Like when it was the four of us on stage, we had no problems making jokes and being a comedy show for a good hour. Right. But I think the four of us individually tried to do it. It would not. <laughs> It would not go over well. Well, I think it works because you have an audience, right? We have we have an audience, and it's. Because there's four of us, it's a lot easier. One person can say something, we can bounce it off, and then it's yes. just—it's literally just it's four brains. Once, doing the once job. it starts going, it doesn't stop. I think the hard part is not being funny; it's being funny to people who expect you to be funny. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, you're taking this joke, like, and joke that we do in here is so funny to us because we have all this context, right? Mm-hmm. But then we take some of these jokes and we bring it to a bunch of people who are like, "Be funny right now." Yeah, they're expecting to laugh. And, and they don't have any context, so now you got to figure out so much about that person and what they think is funny. Uh, it's it's really a crazy thing. That's that's nuts. Like I wonder, and I don't want to stay on the talking about the job of a comedian too much, but like how the mood of the day would play into that. Because I know like my playing changes depending on the mood I'm in, and they've got to go stand on stage and be funny when they feel like shit yeah yeah i've seen it and all. i guess i guess that's that would fall under part of your job too it's is job. To how to keep them feeling as good as they can yeah i can i can fake it on stage when i'm not feeling good or i'm having some kind of emotional shit it's it's easier for me to fake it on stage i couldn't imagine being a comedian trying to fake it through mm-hmm. shit oh uh yeah, you, I have you no don't idea. have any. It, all the attention's directly on you. Like, well, you don't have like anything playing else. Playing music, you can play your part right, and it works. Right. But and, and there's mood so much mood and delivery is so important to comedy that I think a big part of it is like the laughs. Right when when a thousand people, two thousand people, ten thousand people laugh at you, mm-hmm. you're like it all turns back on. 
I think, because I've seen it, and it seems like that's the big deal. It's like when so many people, because that's the best feeling in the world. What's the best feeling in the world? It's like when someone, when you're when you're in a room or you're around your friends and you say something funny and everyone dies, right? You just murder. Mm-hmm. That'll change how you feel in an instant. That That's fair. And, and I think that's a big part of but it. But it would also stand to reason that it would have the inverse effect if you told sure. a joke yeah. and like it falls got flat. crickets. Yeah. That next one's going to be 10 times, 100 times harder. I think that would play into it if you were like doing, if you're doing like clubs. Yeah. And you had 50 people in the audience or something like that. His audience is so big and they, they, they love him so much that, that I don't think you're going to just get crickets. No. And, and, and and you're right. It's definitely a career level thing. Yeah. Um, cause it would work the same musically. Like if, if we're up on stage on one of our random gigs, like. We can play two or three songs that don't hit right and lose a big group of people. Right. Well, uh, if Matchbox Twenty is at Bridgestone, they can play whatever song they want to play, and their fans are happy because they're already fans. Yeah. Yes and no. Yes and no. But I, I, I see. I mean, you can bomb too far, but like everybody's there wants to enjoy them, well, has a reason to enjoy them. If you're on a lower level, they don't necessarily want or need to enjoy you. So bouncing off what Eric said about like the laughs, like when, when they get that laughs, it kind of brings it back on for them. I mean, it's for me, you know, the best feeling in the world and what I've recently truly discovered as, cause I've only been a front man for like the past six months. What I've learned is like people singing back to me shit mm-hmm. that I was singing and I stop and they just keep fucking going. Mm-hmm. So like the other night, uh, Saturday, I played a split double. I had a double closing on Friday, an opening on Saturday, and then a closing Saturday night. So I literally just took naps between these sets of gigs. Saturday night comes around. I'm dead. I'm tired. I did not want to do the gig. It was out in Midtown at Tin Roof to Mumbry, and I was like, Greg, I'm going to be playing a bunch of college kids. This is going to be a lot of fun. Like I was just negative as shit going into this gig. And I show up and it's pretty packed and I'm like, okay, it's it's busier than I was expecting, but it's still a bunch of college kids because you know Vanderbilt's right there and Belmont's not far. So we start playing and it's my turn to sing a song and I start singing and I don't remember why. I don't know if I just got like a tickle in my throat or something, but I couldn't like sing the next word, so I just like took a step back and coughed or something. And they, the crowd just kept singing over us. And I was just like, holy shit. My entire mood changed. I was back in that mindset of, okay, I'm a rock star. I can fucking do this. Instead of, oh, I'm too tired. I don't want to be here playing for a bunch of college kids. Like It was just, it was a switch. And I, I think that's what you were saying. They, they hear those laughs and it's the same. If you're in a bad mood, as soon as they hear that, it's just, all right, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Yeah, I wonder what that is. I wonder if it's crowd participation in general, whether it's laughs or claps or singing or it's like people loving what you're doing. Yeah, you're you're getting that it's, it's response. That, like you're yeah. getting a good affirmation response. that yeah. you're doing the thing right. Yeah. You know. Well, and you know, you could take it all the way into hair if you wanted to circle back into that. It's like that's one thing that you that I miss and that you don't really get as much when you're not when your seat's not turning people out over and over again and you don't is you don't get people that are like that are like so excited 
about their hair because you have all these people that know you're going to do a great job right mm -hmm. and so th they're like man my hair looks great and you're like yeah i know it always looks great that's what we do the same thing every <laughs> single week you know? right <laughs> but but when you get a new person in and it only happens once a week twice a week once you get to a level that you're constantly booked but someone cancels you get a new person they're kind of unsure of how you're going to do you do their hair and it like changes their life or something in that something similar to it where they're just like i couldn't get it right and it's finally right and that feeling that you get is like unparalleled right because you just did something for somebody that nobody else could do yeah there, there's that gratification coming from something a product that you produced and people are like it not just like it, they fucking love it mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and, and you feel it too because you're problem solving. The whole time you're back there with the Clippers, you're like trying to figure out what it was they didn't like about it before and how to make what they do want happen. Yeah. And like Bobby said earlier, it's it's one of those things like going in and we talked about the communication going in like, okay, this is what I didn't like and I want it to try to look like this. And then you're trying to interpret and figure out exactly what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is a similar conversation as when we were talking about communication between the band and the sound guy. Yeah, very <laughs> like much. It's the same concept of problem solving. Like, uh, my vocal's really fluffy. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. I got to figure out what fluffy means in a vocal. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I imagine there's context clues in the industry where you're like, uh, you know, this guy has a bassy voice, so that probably mm -hmm. means what he's hearing is this and whatever yeah i mean even so i recently switched uh barbers and went from this one lady to another and the new lady that i went to i was trying to explain how i want my hair and i kept saying i was like no it just needs to go in a straight line like when i'm looking at it it's not straight and she goes no it's it's in a straight line and i was like and i kept going back to this part and like grabbing it and trying to say well i need it more in this way i was just trying to do the best that i could to explain it to her and within like a few minutes of looking at it, she goes, oh, so you want it like this? And kind of showed me and told me what she was going to do. I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I get you. You're trying to figure out what the hell we're trying to say when we don't even know what we're saying. <laughs> See, one of my problems is like my anxiety and social anxiety. And now anxiety over haircuts in general means that I can't articulate what I'm thinking to the point to where I'm just like, you know what, just do your thing and I'll cross my fingers <laughs> and that's not working out. Not, not at all. No, I I've learned that that never works out. Never. <laughs> I think that depends on where you're going. Right. So if you go to a place where you're, where you had to book it out quite a ways in advance and you're spending some money on it, those are the kind of places where you can be like, Hey, what are you good at? Like, what's your thing? And then, because that's going to be the best thing they do, right? Whatever their thing is. Right. That's going to be the best thing they know how to do. So those types of salons or barbershops, that's that's where you can say that. But especially if you can if you can get in same day somewhere, I don't know if I'd throw out like, hey, man, what do you want to do? <laughs> He's like, uh, I just learned this one. You want to try that? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend going to sport clips and be like, hey, yeah, just do whatever you want. <laughs> But, but in the same argument, it could be like, well, they could only know one thing. It's like, maybe you should get them to do that. Well, and I mean, in my experiences, when I have like been like, hey, this here's a picture. Here's the haircut I want. Like what I get isn't anything even remotely close. And it's like, okay, cool. So if you're just going to do what you're going to do anyway, then yeah. <laughs> why do I bother? 
that is the hard part that that is you can't there's no there's no way around that I just if they gotta can't find do my purse picture i i have learned when it comes to hair and just in my personal experience and i've always had crazy weird fucking haircuts and shit and i've had long hair down you got you get what you pay for like when it comes to haircuts i i've learned like i've gone to a lot of the nicer salons more high-end salons and works a lot better and then i go to the smaller shops and barber shops and now some of the smaller barber shops are great there's a couple of up here on donaldson that around forever that are awesome but like sport clips great clips yeah you're places. right it's, so there are always diamonds in the rough right so like when you first start out you got to start somewhere the best barber in the world worked at great clips at some point yeah right oh sure so you may catch that guy and if you do, you just got to ride his train wherever he goes, right? Yeah. But chances are you probably won't catch that guy, right? You're right. going to go to a Great Clips or whatever, and you're going to get Great Clips people, which is fine if that's all you, if you don't really care about your hair that much. It's like, go get a buzz cut or whatever. But occasionally, like, you're going to get a guy that works at Great Clips that's awesome. But what's going to happen is he's going to start to realize by how quick his book fills up and how not quick everyone else's book fills up that he could be making more money. So he'll go to the next shop, which is typically like from Great Clips, which is just a retail place. They You, you can't even book with people there. It's just walk-in only. Right, right. You go from there to like a, like a, maybe a, like a commission-based barbershop, right? Which is like you get 50% of whatever you make, right? Which is great because it, op- it gives you the opportunity to work more and make more. Right. But then your book fills up there and now you're like, okay, I'm only making half of what I'm making. That's that seems bad. That seems like a bad deal, right? So then you go from there into like either a higher commission percentage or you go to a booth rental, which is like you own the room and you just pay someone 1500 bucks a week or whatever it is to like your cut, which now you're making 90% of what you make. Right. And then you go to own your own shop after that. That's like the boring stuff, but but a good barber is going to hit every one of those stages and if you want him to be your barber the whole time you got to ride those that train with him absolutely so i just got to find my person that's 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 what you're saying i gotta have my person yeah and your best odds of finding that person is at like a nice place right Mm -hmm. well obviously i'm here and i got all my stuff with me so we'll do it but (laughs) but and generally speaking in the general public um right your your best odds because it's all about your odds of finding that person and your best odds are going to be like at the better place you know that i mean that makes perfect sense are you cutting bobby's hair today yeah oh fuck yeah we're putting this on the Instagram. <laughs> i mean if he's down i brought him oh, i'm definitely down i don't uh, you might have to do some hardcore problem solving because <laughs> every section of my head is a different length currently so we'll see what happens but. i can already tell how much hair anxiety you have so much you have no he, this he is does. the biggest he does, like, man. like i have anxiety about like my look and my style and all that in should general we, but hair oh, we should totally go live for thing. this we should totally I'm down. go live for this i'm down I mean, we can do that i'm gonna put up a post right now and be like hey we're going live and we're gonna <laughs> cut Bobby's are hair. you are you cool with being I'm, live yeah dude of course awesome. <laughs> so Fuck it yeah. sounds like you've got like basically your dream career right yeah. now yeah what like what's your motivate what's your aspiration what are we what's your next step at some point i it's hard to say i don't i don't know like i'm in a place right now where it's like i never dreamed i would be 
doing the things that I'm doing at the level that I'm doing it. And I'm just so thankful to do half of it, right? I, if I had my way, I would buy 100 acres um, about an hour south of town. And, and I would just disappear whenever I'm not working. And, and just do exactly what I'm doing right now. The only thing I would change is that, like, right now, we only have about an acre of land. And I love where we live. We're so close to family. It's great. We're 30 minutes north of town. And it's great. But, dude, it's like I'm a human. And so I'm always wanting, like, more. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always like there's always another goal. And right. so the only way that I could think to go, like, the only way up for me right now is, like, to just have more land to be able to get further away from, like, to be able to get more home when I'm home, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, like, as far as as far as your career goes, as it sits, how often are you on the road? Like, how much? It's typically I leave on, like, a Thursday night or a Friday morning, and I come home on a Sunday night or a Monday morning. And, and one week of a month we're typically off so it averages out to be i'll be gone for 13 days and home for 17 days a month that's not a bad gig at it's all. the best thing ever and then one to two times a month i'll go out and cut for my buddies and for guys that i've picked up along the way that's really cool it's the best thing ever and i'm like i said it's just the craziest thing that it happened like that and i'm just trying not to mess it up <laughs> I understand that feeling wholeheartedly. That is my entire life. Just I like this. Let's not mess this up. <laughs> oh man, that's cool. So, what's uh, what's home life like? We haven't talked a whole lot of homeschooling. That's gonna yeah. be super fun. Yeah, so. I think I'm gonna end up homeschooling my youngest. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm excited about that. I think she'll get a lot more out of it. She's super smart. Yeah. Like dangerously smart and she's five so she's smart in a way that like she's logically connecting things that i can't argue back to her because it's kid logic so like we were uh kyle and i were walking through walmart and (laughs) i was playing with stuffed animal thing and i showed it to her she was on the phone with me and she wanted it and i was like well we'll talk about it and she's like you and kyle i was like no me and you we'll talk about it right now no baby we'll talk about it later i'm not gonna be on the phone later like and then she, and she goes later like right now <laughs> like, like she's 100 percent right yeah. obviously that's not what i meant but you can't lose because you're but like dead. <laughs> what's my argument like that's not what i meant but that's what you said yeah. and that's 100 percent. and i teach her on a daily basis like if you want something ask for it if you need something, tell me. Like, use your words, express exactly what you want, or you're probably not going to get it. And so she would absolutely be like, but you said. And stuff like that. Like, Except for when I say it, then it's <laughs> right. different. Right, I'm teaching you to be better. Uh, my favorite moment, and I've, I've told this story a bunch, and I'll probably tell it the rest of my life, but she was four, and she parented me, like, hard. Mm. Like, completely shut me down i had been asking her to do something like clean up or get dressed i don't remember what it was and i was starting to get frustrated because it wasn't getting done and i kind of snapped a little bit and she was dad i am four years old sometimes i don't understand whoa and i was like fuck me (laughs) like you win i apologize i'll go to my room (laughs) 
and, and like she does stuff like that all the time. That's so like funny. I think I she would, you told me that story. I died laughing. Dude, it was, was great. Was I was great. completely just like broken at that point. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I know they teach us just as much. Oh, absolutely. I normally wait to ask this question, but I'm making a quick little post. What's your Instagram? Oh, at the tour barber. Perfect. I should be able to find that. Nice. But yeah, like, yeah. and so I think she would really benefit from homeschooling and being in an environment to where she can explore things in a different direction than just what's presented in a book. Yeah, I will always be a huge fan of homeschooling, a big advocate for the kids that need it, right? So my wife would never have thrived in homeschool. She loves school. She loves reading books. She loves learning in a classroom setting, mm-hmm. right? So for her to homeschool would be a big waste, right? Like yeah. that's, she thrives in school and she loved college. If you told her she could make a career out of staying in college as a student, she would 100% do it. Like that would be... Her dream. That sounds right? insane to that's me. My, that's the nightmare of my nightmares. <laughs> right. And, and so for me, like, I did not graduate high school. I dropped out of high school junior year. Wow, I didn't ne- know that. Never looked back. Because I, that was not my thing. If, if I had the option to homeschool, I probably would have done a lot better. See, I think I would have done better in homeschool. Because yeah. I spent most of my time in school afraid of school. I had bully issues. I had anxiety issues. Like most of my time was just trying not to be noticed. So I didn't get anything educational out of most of it. Yeah. I think that's the same for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not saying homeschool is the only other answer. I think there's a million ways to Mm -hmm. teach kids what they need to know before they try to figure out what they want to do in the world. Right. But at the same time, going to your average public school is not the only option exactly as a former educator and a teacher in public schools um i'm all for homeschooling i think public schools are a joke i don't think kids are getting what they need to out of it privatized into institutions yeah but your normal public school yeah you're getting some basics but that's it the kids aren't getting the attention and the the education that they need and there's just so much going on like we need to change up the way that we educate our children Mm -hmm. and i don't think there's anything wrong with homeschooling i think it's great i know a lot of kids who are homeschooled and they're smart as hell and very successful and not doing stupid crazy shit What's well, funny, it's kind of flipped now because it used to be the homeschoolers were the weird ones that yeah. were like awkward and stuff. But now we've got like 30 or 40 kids per classroom and the homeschoolers are the only one that will look you in the eyes during a conversation. Right. You know, it's like the opposite of what it used to be. Well, that and like the whole idea was like if you're homeschooling, then you're missing the socialization. So you're not learning how to socialize. Well, you're not. And there's so many things now that you can go do and be social and homeschool groups that get together and do things. Well, and and with this day and age, you're not so isolated. Like when we were kids, I, I'm not, I don't know how old you are. I'm 36, but we, yeah. So when we were kids, like if you were homeschooled, you were isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the most, the most interaction you got was from your television. Like, and then maybe, after school if some kids were outside you would get to play with your neighborhood kids or if your mom's friend had a kid your age yeah outside of that like you were pretty isolated where now there's so many like all the different like sports and activities and things that they Mm -hmm. can do like gymnastics karate taekwondo the football leagues baseball leagues all that stuff absolutely loves karate 
and then with like YouTube and all that, like they're getting other ways of interaction. Yeah. It's not just your isolated home. Plus now the stuff that they provide homeschooling is so much better and so much more than what used to be provided where you kind of had to come up with a lot of it on your own. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's almost like I say, kind of flipped like ever, like, it's difficult. I, I get that it's difficult because not a lot of kids can afford to have their mom or dad stay home. And, right. And not a lot of kids can afford private school. And I would say most probably can't afford either of those things. And so no. we have to do something. Right. But but I don't and I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that it's like the the most antisocial thing that you could do is stick your phone in your face all day. And I think that's what they're getting from these public schools is like their fo- their faces in a computer or an iPad or a phone screen just 24 7 and how you're not being social at all at that point Mm -hmm. so it almost makes more sense to not makes more sense but it almost it almost seems like you're getting more socialization to take the kids away from that yeah and then also the now for kids when i was younger i felt it was only a few kids that had social anxiety because everybody would talk to everybody like everybody was social and now these kids, there's so much social anxiety with kids that they only talk to a few people in the classroom and they're very quiet and very shy. And it, it is, it's a very different dynamic than, and, and like you said, the, the roles have reversed. And I think that the, this is just my opinion, that the kids that are in school, like you said, they're getting, when, when I was going through my education degree, we were being taught how to use computers and iPads and laptops to teach these kids instead of through games and other, we did do some of that stuff, but it was mostly, Oh, Hey, this is where we're going. So this is what you need to do. And then after COVID that's what, Oh, this is the easy way to teach. Yeah. This this is way easier to teach 30 kids this way than it was how we used to do it hands on. And that's the thing too. And so then they're, they're in school on their phone and then they come home on their phone or their computer, or their iPad, whatever it is, like they they're always on those screens, and like you said, the the eye contact, it's not there. They they can't even look at you and having a conversation. And I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> you touched on something else too, talking about the class sizes. If you've got thirty kids that you're trying to teach something to, you teach the information one way, and hope that most of them get it. You can't teach it thirty different ways, right? To go with the 30 individual people that you're trying to explain and this to. You, you're teaching to a curriculum. And when I was in college, they were like, oh, you need to make your own lesson plans and do this and, and get it to your class and your students and you can teach them the information that they need to know. And then when we get into teaching, they're like, no, no, no. Here's the lesson plan you follow. Just do this. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well this sucks and a lot of times it's just something that's outdated doesn't work and it's boring and it's just yeah. not not you're not teach you, you get a couple of kids through it you'll get you'll get two two or three of them instead of all 30 mm-hmm. <laughs> you know well and i had great teachers I, I it's like you know you hear all these stories where people are like oh my teacher told me i was never gonna make it or blah blah i had great teachers and i still dropped out of high school like I had awesome, awesome teachers. They really cared about me and like they wanted me to do well, but I just hated learning that way so much. It mm-hmm. was so painfully difficult to learn like that, that I still was like, I am out, dude. Like I can't do this. I, I know all this information. I did decent on tests. I didn't really study or anything like that. I wasn't like a genius or anything, but I could like get C's and do whatever. But I just could not 
hack that sitting down for an hour in every class and like the and they're just like bleh, bleh. i mean i just i hated it so much mm-hmm. I, I would s- rather just I throw slept, in the wolves i slept through most I slept of high school so much if i went i, I missed over 100 I wore, days of my senior year i wore a hoodie almost every single day and then before we had the ipod or the little mp3 player i would have my cd player like in my hoodie jacket mm-hmm. headphones running through into my into my up my sleeve and i would just put my hand right here have one and they wouldn't be the wiser i was listening to music the whole damn class sometimes i'd fall asleep they tell me to wake up and same thing just sitting there one hand over my ear listening to music never got caught for it what we're doing (laughs) with henry my five-year-old is and we'll do the same thing with olive depending on how she likes school Mm because either one of them if they want to be in public school there we would love for them to do it if that's what they want to do or private school we'll figure out a way how to afford that but you know Whatever they want to do. Start going on the road with more comics. I was going to say, yeah, start <laughs> taking more clients when I'm home. Uh, right. Something. But I think you got two more sitting in this room. So. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love it. Um, but what we're doing with them is like, we're just saving up money like we would for a college fund. But instead of like being like, this is your college fund, it's like, figure out what you want to do. Like, say you want to mm-hmm. be a, I don't even know, right? Like a paleontologist or something. If that's what you really want to do and you're ready to like go to school for that, I want you to find a guy who's like already that. And to be like, let me let me shadow you for ten thousand dollars, yes, or twenty thousand dollars, whatever it takes for them to say yes. They're not going to tell you no to twenty thousand dollars tax free cash, right? right. Or I'm I don't not know, saying no so. for forty bucks if we're being honest, <laughs> right? So, twenty so, bucks is twenty bucks, man. And, right. and so he goes out on the on whatever they do in paleontology world, right? Dinosaur stuff, and he goes out and does that for six months, and he comes home and he's like, this sucks, dude. Well, it's like I would much rather lose twenty thousand dollars that way than lose a hundred thousand dollars in sending you to and school. Four years of your and life. Four years of your life. Yeah, that, that's like exactly what happened. To almost me. seven. So you know. So it's like you have it's like you have eighty thousand dollars worth of chances to figure out what you want to do. It can be school if you want, but figure it out first because obviously you have to go to paleontology school, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you spend the twenty grand initially if that's what you want to do. Then then we'll invest. Then it's like yeah, you're going to be in debt a hundred thousand dollars or whatever. But it's like, but at least you know that that's what you want to do for the rest of your you life. Know, and I've I've given similar advice many times of like, if you're pretty sure this is what you want, then you should be able to tell me who the best is in that field. Yeah. You should know them at least from their body of work yeah. and if you don't then you need to because you haven't you haven't explored this option enough to know that's what you want to do and also like an, another thing is uh, outside of a few degrees you know doctors lawyers and things of that nature and unfortunately not teachers you don't need a degree for most things you need experience mm-hmm. and you know if, if even yeah you may have to have a license to go be uh, HVAC technician or something like that, but it's much shorter of time and a lot less money to get that and hell of a lot easier in my opinion than going through fucking school for four to six years to get a piece of paper that you may never use. Well, know? the one thing you don't get taught is like, it's like, I think the majority of people out, of course you have like artists and creatives and things like that that don't really fall into these molds but i think the majority of people just want to be comfortable they just want to be Mm -hmm. successful and comfortable and be able to like put their kids through school and live a good life and have a nice car or whatever it is right and and if that's 80 percent of your people 90 percent of your people you should be teaching them how to get to that right Mm -hmm. i think the reality of it is it's like it's it's what you're good at that's going to bring opportunities to you right no and so 
it's like yeah. that surface area. I, I hear this all the time now. It's like luck surface area, but really it's opportunity surface area. It's like that thing that you're good at. For me, it just happened to be cutting hair, but it could be anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever your brain kind of figures out fastest. You do that thing and surround yourself with as many people that are doing good as you can. That Then your opportunity for one of those people wanting to be a bigger part of your life is higher. Mm-hmm. And that percentage that opportunity percentage grows the more that you spend time doing the thing that you're good at right and that's the sales pitch on if you're thinking about moving to nashville to play music that you need to move to nashville to play music (laughs) you got to be here right like it doesn't you're not going to meet those people if you're not here right or or wherever you're here is right right no and then um going back to the the college conversation um i have my girlfriend her daughter is you know, about 15 and starting to think about college and stuff like that. And she's always been like in like genius level situations. So like she went to special schools that cater to more intelligent kids. And so she's been talking about college for a long time and it's always, well, I'm looking at this college or this college cause they have these programs. And it was like a whole paradigm shift when I was like, no, Figure out who the teacher is. Who is the head of that program? Hmm. Find out who they are. Do you want to learn from them? Hmm. Because it doesn't matter how good the program is. If you don't like who's teaching you, you're not going to learn it. Our education system is set up for failure. I hate to say it that way, but oh, it, it absolutely is. is. Just like you said, every single high school is doing the same thing. Look at the college, the college, mm-hmm. the college. The, they have these programs and this and that okay, what are you actually going to be getting out of that? Like, are you are you really going to be getting anything out of that school? Like, who are the teachers? Who are the professors there? What are they teaching? Are these teachers only in there to make their dollar and make you buy their book that they rewrote every single fucking year? And right. That's the same thing. Like, so many of these colleges are just money makers. They don't actually care about the students. Well, they don't care about fixing the problem. No. The problem is that most kids change their major two to three times before they graduate right me so how do you if you cared you would fix that problem right the and instead they're still pumping the narrative of like jump out of high school as quick as you can and pump yourself into the degree that you like the best when in reality like none of these kids know no they don't know and how do you fix that they haven't had a chance to i didn't know what i wanted till i was 33 34 years old to be honest with you and that's after i'd already been to college and had this job and then moved to nashville and had this career and been married and divorced like then i figured out what i really really wanted to do and what i wanted in life and i wish somebody would have like Back in the day, I've been like, hey, what do you really, really want to do? That's the one thing that you really, really want to do instead of my whole high school career just forcing me to pick a college. Oh, you need to make sure you're good grades so you can get college. Get into college. Get into college. Get into college. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is college going to do for me? It's going to get you a degree and get you a good job. Cool. That's not what I want to do. <laughs> and it's, it's always been the way. I've always wanted to play music. And, and I mean, and, now more than ever, like whatever it is that you enjoy, there is a career around that. Oh, yeah. You can find a way to make that make money. And if there's not, you can make it. Right. Nowadays, ever since the pandemic, if we've learned anything, you can just make it, mm-hmm. which is which is crazy. And it's probably not smart for most people to do. But, but it works. But you can do it. Well, I, so many people have discovered that that was an option the whole time. And it was just hidden. Yeah. If you know the if you know the parameters of like what what it is 
right? So it's like it's demand and it's necessity mm-hmm. or whatever the whatever the figure of it is. It's like, do you have something that people need? So there's your first thing. It's like, do you have that? And if the answer is yes, it's like, okay, we can move forward. And it's and the next one, are you good at it? And if the answer is yes there, then it's like, okay, well, then you have the thing. And it all starts with, do you need it and can't find it? Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. I can say now nah, he could already be a better educator than 90% of the educators out there. And I'm going to get some flack for that because I know i got some of y'all listening. But <laughs> dude, spitting some truth right here. He's, yes. 100%. Like that. His kids that going to be okay is what we're is, saying. <laughs> um, what was that? There was some TV show that I watched. I can't remember the name. Not Undercover Boss, but it was Undercover Millionaire or something like that. Where they like stripped him of all of his money and everything and nobody knew who he was. They threw him into some random city and they're like, here's your shitty ass truck and $1,000. Let's see what you can make of it. Mm. And the first thing he said is, well, I need to find something that people need. What do people need around here? Mm-hmm. And he literally just like he went to a public library, got on Craigslist, and just started searching for like what people were in like in what they were looking to buy. And he literally went and found that stuff and sold it to them. And he was at first he you know barely made any money, but he was making he was giving these people what they needed, mm-hmm. and then building relationships and so forth. And it all slowly came together. But yeah, no, it's it's finding which is our jobs. Yeah, that's what we do. We have found something that people want and need, and we are good at it, and we give that to them, and now we make money doing it. Yeah. Yep. I had a I had a crazy experience, kind of like what you're saying. One of the first jobs I ever had, I was on Craigslist just trying to find a, like a any kind of job, and there was a guy hiring a, I guess it would have been like a, a administrative assistant or something like that, somebody that just, just like answer phones and type stuff on the computer. And I must have been 16, 17 years old at the time. And I drove down for this interview. He told me, I mean, I waited for like 15 minutes in the thing while he was doing whatever he's doing. And he's like, I'll tell you right. When I sat down with him, he goes, I'll tell you right away. I'm not going to hire you. He goes, but before you leave, I'll, I just want to tell you this story. And I'm like, what? I don't even want to wait and listen to your dumb story. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you're not going to hire me. But I did for some reason. And he was like, I, what I do is I come up, I come up with ideas that I think are going to be successful ideas. Um, and I do them and I get, and I make X amount of money, like millions of dollars. And then I sell them and I give them to my wife and kids who live somewhere else. And I start from scratch again. And I'll take like six months to a year off and hang out with the family, but then I'll go again somewhere I've never been with no money and do it again. And at the time I'm like, cool, dude, you prick. Like, I don't care this. You're just a mean guy that doesn't even <laughs> live with your family all the time. But so I didn't really understand it then, but now, and the older I get, the more I think about that crazy thing. Mm-hmm. What a weird experience. But I think about it now, and I'm like, well, that's what it is, right? That guy's addicted to that feeling, that that being able to create something from scratch is like, it's addicting. And, mm-hmm. and I, haven't, I haven't done it still, but I mean, like, I understand it now. I understand, like, what it is to take something and and know what it takes to become successful. And, and then, you know, the, the thing is, it's like, digging deep enough to do it right and then you do it and then most people will just sit on it and be like i can't believe that happened i'm just gonna try to not lose this but this guy whatever kind of psycho he is is like addicted to that thing and his his kind of thing that he does i guess i mean i don't even know this guy's name but he was just a uh, entrepreneur that is addicted to starting from scratch getting wealthy and then doing it again 
and and it could all have been a lie. I don't know if any of this is true, but the experience will live in my brain for the rest of my yeah, life. It it's something that stuck with you forever for sure, and that that's a that's a good thing. And I mean, people people do this in practice all the time. The idea of coming up with something that people want or improving something. Like, how many times have you gone to a restaurant and been like, "Dude, if they would just do this, that would be fucking fire." Right. Or, you know, whatever store or thing that you're doing, like, oh, if they just made this a little better, it would be, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're already in the in the habit of doing that. You just don't say if they did. Say, I'm going to. Which is the hard part because you got to start drawing lines between, like, all right, I don't have the money to do it. Who do, mm-hmm. who do I know that does? What, you know, how do I make that? Yeah. that's. But, yeah, I mean, you got to start somewhere. And yeah. the idea is that somewhere, like, this is this could work let's start investigating so like you said you got to start somewhere and we'll just we'll circle back around what this whole podcast kind of started about is you got to start somewhere and it's starting with making the connections going out and putting your feet to the ground meeting people having real connections because that's how things grow Mm -hmm. if you don't go out there and network and meet people you're never going to get anywhere You're, you're just not but the more conversations you have, the more people you meet, the more times you put yourselves in situations, the better your chances are. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, you got to start somewhere. You got to stop somewhere. That's it, guys. I was going to be like, that's the best. Uh, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I know, but I'm writing that one down. Right. I'm writing that and shit down. And just like that, he improves the podcast doing the exact thing we were talking about. Boom. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and this just shows how unprofessional we are. Oh, I'm just winging it, dude. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, we're all winging it. That is, that Bro, is what we do. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Fake we it till you make it. We are professional wingers. <laughs> oh mm. man. Um. While he's writing that down, uh, do you want to tell everybody best way to get a hold of you? Your socials. Yeah. If, if they want a bomb ass haircut, what do they do? Uh, I'm not a lot of places, but I am on Instagram. Um, at the tour barber is my Instagram handle. Um. I'm on Facebook too, but I'm not really actually on it. But it does exist uh, if you can find that. I don't even know how to tell you to find that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know where I'm at as far as like taking more clients, but I but I think that in the future I do want to start taking more clients. So if that's something you're interested in, it's it's residential haircut. I come to you uh, if you're interested in that. Find me on Instagram at the Tour Barber and and oh, let me know and we'll talk about better. it. You can come to me. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, that does. I do have a question. One more question before we get out of here because you're currently touring and you said you've been doing that for what, like two years or so now, something like that. Yeah. Is that something that you see? You're hoping that you can kind of make long term, or do you want to eventually go back to a shop and have your own place that you can work? Or I don't know. I'm playing this by the by the edge of my seat, dude. Okay. I, I think. That's right fair. now, I wouldn't change a thing. Everything is exactly the way that that uh, everything is set up in a way that's just so fantastic for me, for my boss, for my family. Everything is like very great, you know. So you're just like living in this moment, soaking it all in right I'm now. I'm trying not to mess it up, like I was saying. And but I, there's a thing when you're a barber. There's always a thing that lives in your head. Like you wanna, you want something. You want your you want your thing, you want your chunk, you want like something you own, right? Yeah. And for me right now, that's what the Barber Club is. Nashville Barber Club is what it's called. And and having that is enough to to, to feel that, like you talk about scratching that itch, like, yeah. to, like to have that thing that's yours, that you do, that you hone into. Like that's what that is for me right now. And it's a small little thing. It's not, it's not 
I'm not trying to make an empire with it, but I could see a world where one day it becomes a bigger thing. Is that something that you started? Yeah. Okay, cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that before we get out of here. It's just a little bit. That's all it is. It's just me going to private residences and, and cutting hair on an individual basis. Right. Okay. It's very intimate. It's just, you know, it's just a hang and started off with me and just a couple of my buddies that also would come and get haircuts at the shop that were like good friends of mine and I couldn't just stop cutting their hair. Right. So whenever we were hanging out, whatever we were doing, if we were at the skate park or if we were at their house or if we were anywhere, I would just cut their hair at that place. And it got so much fun. I would get like, I got like a, a table cover that had Nashville barber club on it. And I would just bring that table with me and wherever we went, I would just whip it out and do, and do haircuts for my buddies. And it became so much fun to do that I didn't want to stop doing it. And, and I noticed it's like, okay, I'm home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, most of Thursday. I could very easily on Mondays just go do my round of buddies and then take a couple. So I've got a couple clients that are like, um, willing to pay more money than it would normally cost to get a haircut mm-hmm. for me to come to them. So I just decided to take them as well. Um, and, um, and it's been great. And, and I only take the people that I really enjoy being around, which is, which has been so awesome because when you work in a service industry, there's always going to be people that give you energy and people that take away your energy. Right. Yes. And so to be around only people that give you energy is a, it, it's just very fulfilling. Right. And that's awesome. That I think that especially as a musician is the exact idea of what we're looking for. We want to be able to play on stage with the people we enjoy making music with in front of a crowd that enjoys the music and just everything clicks in and sinks in and we can enjoy that experience beyond the level of I'm doing this for a paycheck. Yeah. That's that's the goal, is it not? It, 100%. I mean, and it's why I don't tour as much anymore because I've found the people that I like playing with and just like me, they work a lot here in town and we're like, Oh, well if we all just stay here and work together, we can make a shit ton of money and have a good time instead Mm of blowing it all on the road and barely making ends meet. And yeah, I, man, I, I had this conversation with my mom the other day. I, I got ready for a gig and I was, I was going to my Friday night gig and I walked out of the bathroom and looked in that mirror and I was like, 12-year-old me would be really fucking happy right now. Mm, that's mm-hmm. great. Like, I'm literally doing everything I've ever wanted to do, and I'm making a living doing it. And it's pretty fucking cool. I've got to travel the world and have some of the craziest experiences. Like, 12-year-old me would be real happy. And I went and had – our gig was not that great, but I had the fucking time of my life because I was playing with three of my best friends. You know, Absolutely. Just, what a great gauge on if you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Like look at yourself from 20 years ago and be like, well, that dude be stoked. So when I came here, uh, 10 years ago, I was on vacation <laughs> with my mom and she was just trying to get me out of town out of a, a bad relationship. I just gotten out of it. She was like, just wanted me to clear my head. And at the time I was, I just got out of school and I was teaching and I had a teaching career lined up and I was going to go that path. And, um, I came here and I was just like, I love this. This this is where I belong. 
And I looked at my mom. I was like, I don't want to go home. I want to stay here. And she goes, well, you know, think about it. She, she was always the one that was play it safe, play Did it the safe, mom play thing. it safe, you know. And mm-hmm. I get it. She wants to make sure I don't make stupid decisions. But I was like, no, this, mom, I feel it. This is where I need to be. And uh, I was like, I don't want to be 50 years old going, I wish I would have just moved to Nashville, even if it was for just a year. Yeah. I was, I was like, give me a year. If it sucks in a year, I'll come home and I'll go back to doing what I was doing. <laughs> not, not a big deal. I can always go back home. I can always go back home. I can't always have these opportunities like I had here. And had I not moved here when I did, I would not have done the things that I've done. And so... Yeah, it's I I know that I'm in the right place and I'm doing the right things for me and I'm you know I've I've had that revelation and I feel great and I hope that the rest of us in town I hope you all feel that same way. But yeah, I did man, it was the first time in a long time that I'd ever been able to look at myself and been like I'm happy with where I'm at. Like I'm happy. It's been a long time since I've been able to say that. So That's great. I, I I definitely think moving here was the right decision for me. Well, um we're a little over time, but I don't give a shit. I've, I've. That was a fantastic conversation. Yeah, like, I've, I've loved talking to you and hearing your story. And and even though you're not a muse, a, a full time musician here in Nashville, you, you're still very much involved in the community somehow, some way or another. And your lifestyle is very similar to ours. Yeah, I will say that's one of my favorite things about being in Nashville. Growing up with parents that were in this industry and hearing so much about Nashville and the and the industry itself and like what it's like to live in Nashville and all that stuff I've always kind of I've put the success in life based on the way that they saw the hierarchy of Nashville right and and to be able to still be in it without competing in it is the best thing ever because now I get to know some of these people that are just crushing right now and do and and have, um, you know, conversations with people that probably wouldn't want anything to do with me if I was their competitor, right? So it's like, it's so cool to be in the industry without having to battle it, battle it, right? Exactly, because it's tough, man. From <laughs> I've listened to all you guys talk mm. about this stuff, and this may be the toughest thing to break into. It's one of the hardest, for sure. But and the people are great. I mean, everybody, literally everybody I've met besides one. Well, I'll never say the name of <laughs> has been the most unbelievable hang and and it's because everybody is like everybody's fully aware that the the industry is driven by friendship more than it's driven by networking mm-hmm. and, and and this is the only place that I've ever been that's like that I 100% couldn't say it better myself <laughs> right takes us all the way back to rule number one don't be a dick don't be a dick <laughs> I like that that'll get you so much further than anything else, especially in this town. Well, Eric, thanks for coming in and hanging out with us. We we greatly appreciate it, man. We I, I love getting to meet you and hear your story. This is absolutely awesome for me. That's why I didn't say much. I was just like listening half the time. I was like, this is great. Well, <laughs> thanks for having me. I feel like I have no reason to be here, but I love it. Oh, you do. I mean, you're you're essentially living the dream just with a different Bro, flavor. I guarantee you we're going to get messages from your podcast or from, from this episode of people mm-hmm. like, Oh, he had great advice. I mean, dude, you you really did have some solid advice that works for us. Like I said, you're what you're doing. You are directly involved in our industry, and you, you work with us, even though you're not a musician. Like, and you still live a very very similar lifestyle. 
and you the parallels you're your here. own you're still your own boss you still have to kind of if you don't no one's gonna get on your ass like if you don't do your shit you, you're gonna fail and it's the same for the rest of us like mm-hmm. you don't really have i mean yeah you have friends and people be like hey you need to do this but you have to get up and make yourself do your shit every day or you're gonna lose your job so. Yeah, the, the only thing that's hard about what I do, and there's not a lot that's hard. The only thing that's hard is I don't know anybody else that's doing this. So I don't have anyone to talk to about it. <laughs> I just have to talk to other players. Right? And just be like, hey, what's it like for you right now on the road? <laughs> and you know? I mean, I'm sure it's very similar. Yeah. Like, no. it sounds very similar from from the stories that you're telling. Every, yeah, everything that you're saying is damn near parallel with our lifestyle, except you're cutting hair and we're playing music. You guys get the applause. I get the background. <laughs> hey, man. I'll tell you what, though. If it wasn't for you and people just like you, I would not get half or even three quarters of the attention that I get because of this fucking hair. So <laughs> I thank you guys. Man, look, before I had this haircut, nah. wasn't working for me. Every other haircut never worked for me. This one works. And... You guys keep me looking fresh and making sure my shit looks good and y'all go with my crazy ass ideas. So I'm all for it, man. <laughs> we appreciate you. You may be behind the scenes or whatever, but. But there's a lot There's a lot of people behind the scenes that work their ass off to make the thing happen. I have so many people ask me all the time, who cut your hair? Who dyed your hair? I have no problem telling them who it was. I'm like, yep, here, go to this person. Go to this person. Like. I'll put your name out there, one hundred fucking percent. So, well, with awesome. the disclaimer that he's on the road, can't do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your availability like on random Mondays? <laughs> well, that that's like this whole podcast. I was like, "What's your schedule look like the next few weeks?" And you were basically like, "Um, it was today and December seventeenth. Like, yeah. And I was like, "You good today?" <laughs> All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Guys, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you all listening to all, every episode and listening to us just talk and rant. Uh, Bobby, where can they find you? I am at Story of Bob or Story of Bob Music everywhere. Just search. And Eric, one more time, where can they find you on Instagram? The Tour Barber. And I'm Kyle Thurkey or Thurkey Bass. Again, if you're looking for me, I'm not that hard to find. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time. AMF. Bicycle. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We have a great time putting it on for you, so we really appreciate all of the listens. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, we are on Facebook and Instagram. So if you just search Nashville for Nobody's Podcast, we will pop up and you can interact with us that way. We also have some more options coming up in the future for interaction, so that'll be a whole lot of fun. So as always, it's never too late to tip your bartender, and please don't forget to tip your band.